Welcome to the Mid-City Soccer Show. I am your host, Matt Swift. With me, as always, David Gussler. David, our three-game unbeaten streak comes to an end, and we lose in the altitude of Utah. <laughs> How I blame... <laughs> I, I'm, I feel okay. It's Monday. Uh... I blame me shaving the the mustache, though. That's what it is. The goatee mustache went away, and all of a sudden we lose a game. So you guys can blame me, tag me, blame my wife for not liking it, and uh, here we are. Yeah, what's your problem, dude? I don't know, man. I, you know what? I actually had a theory I posted in Slack. The reason why is because we, we lost the mint kit. So that's the I'm, I'm sticking to that until we go on a winning streak. So, <laughs> well, we we went three games without losing. So well, you know, it's it's whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, semantics. Let's, it's let's, fine. No, we're gonna blame it on the mustache too. So you gotta tell <laughs> Laura good. that that has to come back. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> for the greater good. We'll, we'll, well, for the greater good. I might take one for the team. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if she listens to this episode, and then uh, we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> but I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm better than I was Saturday night, a little better than I was Sunday, but I'm still a little raw and disappointed, but let's pack, unpack all this, David. Oh, look at you with the moving pun, sir, with you moving as well. That's what I've been doing all week (laughs) is moving into our new place, unpacking things. So yeah, let's, let's unpack this hot mess of a game. So, Charlotte FC, go on the road to play Real Salt Lake, who have not been doing well, who have only scored three goals all season long. If you listened to our last podcast, you probably heard all about uh, how we were super hopeful for this game. And if we were going to win a road game, this was going to be the one. We started off okay, but we end up losing three to one. David... We have a lot of fan questions, and I think we're going to really focus on that. But before we get to that, is there anything that stood out to you, uh, starting lineup-wise, or anything about the game in general? Um, I would say, starting lineup-wise, I was—I don't want to say I was shocked, but it was—I uh, don't know—I was slightly optimistic seeing the starting eleven. I don't know about you, but I—I uh, I saw it. I was like, okay, we're getting some consistency in the back line. George Marks continues to start. And then we got a midfield, which I think a lot of people would have been if you, before before this game happened. Um, I think a lot of people would have been like, okay, yeah, I don't mind that midfield with, with you know, Westwood hurt. Um, Carroll's back now from international duty, game shape, whatever it was. He gets the start. You have Ben Bender, who played pretty well the previous game, and Brett Bronico back at his number six position. And I think a lot of people probably saw that on paper were, were pretty excited about it. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I don't think many people are gonna be excited for that again on paper. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what it looks like here, uh, with the fan Q and A's, but, um, so I was excited, but now I'm slightly disappointed with the way the lineup, but you know, it is what it is at this point. How about you? What'd you think of the lineup and, uh, Christian Latanzio's decisions heading into Real Salt Lake? I thought with Swiderski and Bender, in that midfield, I was a little worried about defense and structure. I thought Bronico being back in behind them would give some of that. We got our asses kicked in the middle of the field all game long. 
And I realized that, you know, Swiderski and, and Bender were productive. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, subs and all that stuff later. But that's the the trouble that you run into when, you know, we had the episode called Send It when, we, you know, we wanted Swiderski and <laughs> Nuno Santos and maybe Westwood. Like, you have to make sure you have some type of structure in the middle, someone that could play defense, someone that's going to cover well. We didn't have that Saturday. And we paid the price for it. Even the commentators, I, I, Kobe Jones mentioned, he's like, yeah, Charlotte FC have just pretty much given up the middle of the field and they're just attacking on the flanks, which is fun if you're productive doing that. And I just think that the game plan came off the rails. Uh, we'll get into the rest of the game, uh, which was a, a, a huge disaster. Uh in my opinion, but, um, you know, with Westwood out, you know, I, I guess the only thing you you could have stuck with Jones instead of Bronico. And I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people were calling for that. And definitely after this game, I, I don't think Brant had the best game. Uh, but yeah, we just got killed in the middle. What, what do you think is different? So, cause Brant started, I felt like almost every game last year. I mean, there was maybe one or two here and there, but started pretty consistently for us at the six towards the end of the season, moved to that eight where Jones sort of fitting in at that six. And everyone seemed pretty content with that midfield lineup, right? Um, but just whatever happened this past week did not work. And is it just, are, are we trying some new things out? Like what, like what are you seeing, Swift? Because I know, it doesn't seem like we're really trying anything different. So in theory, the scheme should be the same as the end of last season. And it should players should be more knowledgeable of it. They should be more comfortable with each other. It just doesn't seem like it's clicking right now. Right. Yeah, we're not playing well as a unit. Uh, we are, we're not moving well as a team. We've talked about that past couple of episodes. People are not covering well. People are not reacting well. We're not winning the second ball. We'll talk about Latanzio's comments in the post-game press conference about energy. It just seems we're just not a team right now, uh, and we really need to come together quickly. We're just disjointed. So I, I, I think the difference is we don't have a, like a real identity. We, you know, we've been, we've had players you know, playing out of position, we're rotating a lot. We've had the strategy. We have a lot of things just kind of going against us. And uh, we'll get into it here in a second. But now there's some there's some weird shit going on. You know, I was looking at when Swiderski scored and the celebrations and the lack thereof. And then, you know, the players not going over to the away fans. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that just seem off. Um. But maybe when we get into the the fan Q and A, we can dive in a little more on that. Yeah. So, and, and not not to put you on the spot, but um, you know, we are we are called the Mint City Soccer Show, and you know, we we have a you're the vice president of Mint City Collective, and you know, previously I was the president and helping out with Chance now, but we have a good pulse of how supporters are feeling right now, right? And yeah. I mean, from your from your vantage point and viewpoint, like what's the What's the temperature right now for supporters? Like, where are they? Are they getting fed up? Are they frustrated? Are they 
Are they willing to wait this out? Like, how are you, what are you seeing from the overarching theme right now from supporters online and elsewhere? You're seeing a lot of frustration, of course, a lot of finger pointing, but the finger pointing is in all different directions, depending, you know, I guess how you land, you know, we're pointing the finger at the coach. We're pointing the finger at certain players, uh, the front office, Zoran, you know, there's, there's different areas that you could say, Hey, here's the problem. But the thing is it might be all of those things. Um, so something's got to give, uh, you know, I put out something Saturday to the effect of, Hey, you know, I gave Latanzio a chance. He had last season. He's had this season. You know, we come on the show every week and we keep saying the same things over and over. Subs are a problem. Tactics are a problem. He can't read the game. And Saturday was another example of just, I can't put my finger on the decisions that were made and when they were made. Um, you know, Latanzio was talking about in- energy in the the press conference and saying the players didn't have energy and and everything like that. I think to a certain degree, the players are definitely, you know, Latanzio can't go on the field himself and make crosses, make runs, get up and down the field. His job is to direct players to do so. If if he cannot get his players to do what is required, that's also a problem. That's still a coaching problem, right? Um. So yeah, the you know the fans are upset and rightly so, and they're paying PSLs. They're paying a lot of money for just tickets in general, and that's a perfect storm for, you know. Calamity. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you're seeing at least in Charlotte some of the fan base getting frustrated, and I think you know I'm sure the f- the front office is aware, and I'm sure they're getting lots of messages and texts and DMs and mm-hmm. things like that. But I think that one thing that's a little bit different here is I think they're realizing too that like soccer fans are a hell of a lot more vocal. I think and kind of speak where they're, you know, they put their money where their mouth is. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think they do show up differently than, you know, what NFL and um, other fan bases here in the Carolinas do. Right. Like you can be a Carolina fan and they suck and not make the NIT and NCAA tournament, but you're still going to be a Carolina fan through and through. Right. Um, With Charlotte FC, if they suck and the FO pisses you off, everything like that, like you're going to see some fans probably start to disengage pretty actively. I think that's normal with most professional sports, but with soccer, I think it's a little bit more, fan focused and fans are also a lot more vocal from that point of view. So the team's really got to step up and the FO has got to think of some uh, creative things to help engage and kind of weather the storm a little bit while the, while the team is not potentially performing where they want to be as well. Yeah. Well, on that note, Swift, um, you ready to jump into these Q and A's? Let's do it. All right. Welcome back, everyone. And we're going to dive into the fan Q&A here. So, Swift, this first question comes from Tom. Tom wants to know, how can this team build chemistry when the lineups are different each week and week out? So what in practice says that the lineup constantly needs to be different or change? Or is it uh, that they are now throwing stuff at the wall and hope that it just works, right? So 
Um, who owns the, the tactical side of the team and determines strategy? Because it looks like no one right now has like a strategy in place. So pretty long-winded question there, but it's a really great one because that's that's a something that I noticed as well. But I want to get your thoughts here first, Swift. Yeah, good question. I too wonder who's who's in charge of tactics and and everything. Uh, I one of the, one of the things we don't get to see is practice, of course, right? Uh, sometimes the media will be able to hang out for the first 15 to 30 minutes and then they have to head out. So we don't really get an idea of what practice looks like every day. Uh, one of the things we've talked about on the show that it does seem like if a player really performs well in practice, Latanzio is like, all right, you're in next game. Which I understand rewarding players doing well in practice and then, you know, players that are not engaged or just being poor in practice, you know, dropping them to the bench. I, I get that to a certain degree. But there has been so much rotation, so much in and out. There's no consistency. So I don't know what's going on at practice or what's going on in Latanzio's head or his staff where, you know, if Shin Yoshiki, you know, shoots the ball well in practice, I'm like, oh, you know what? We're going to throw him up top this week. We're going to bench Capetti. We're going to put Bran at left left wing now like i i don't know what's going on there but it seems very much like throw it against the wall and see what sticks and it's very week to week uh you look at you know good solid teams you know exactly who's playing in what position there's very little change outside of maybe you know cup matches somebody getting a knock things like that with this team it's hard to predict a lineup and in multiple positions so yeah, really good question. I don't know how to answer it because I don't know what's going on in practice and what's going on in Latanzio's head. Uh, clearly, I don't because I've had such a such an issue with it. Yeah, that was one of the things, that, and I think I may have mentioned it in Slack, the, either during the game or in previous weeks. But you know, go, I, I want to rewind a little bit back to you know the St. Louis game, and I can't remember who we played after St. Louis right away, but um, you know we we had a lineup where we had Brant Bronico at left back. And the reason why we tried that out there for two weeks in a row is because Christian Latanzo said he wanted consistency, right? He wanted consistency with the starting lineup. He wanted to create consistency with the players. And yet here we are, we just played seven games and we've had seven different starting 11s, right? Mm -hmm. Either be it for injury cards, what what have you, but seven games. Well, sorry, I re rewind that myself. Two of the games had the same lineup, which was the ones where Brent Bronico was playing left back. But outside of that, five other games had different starting 11s, right? Yeah. So for me, I, I worry that consistency is is an issue, right? You can have depth. You can be able to make tactics and changes based off your opponents from time to time. But you're not going to be able to do that and have 30 different starting 11s throughout an MLS season. That's not going to be a recipe for success no matter what you do. You can't have that much change um, week in and week out just from a familiarity with the players, right? Um, from a from a tactic perspective, I guess I I don't know how to even how to compare this to, but I will say it does seem like there is consistency from what Latanzio wants to have happen, but I don't know if it is executed ever properly. Because if you think about it, we, we're consistent with a four three three. We want to overload the midfield. Our our backs pinch inwards, and they they want to play essentially an overloaded midfield. Mm -hmm. He expects them to be able to have the ball play out of that spine, and then force the ball up front. Now, does that happen 
I don't think so. No. But I think that's the style of play that he wants to have happen. Now, mm-hmm. the other question you can ask now is though, it, is Latanzio trying to force his system and style onto the players he has and is just being stubborn and saying, nope, this is how we're going to do it. I don't care what roster or what players we have. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how we did it at you know New York City. This is how we did it elsewhere. But maybe that's the issue. Or it could be that he's just can't identify what the proper lineup is because who knows. But I think that's the I think that's the next question is is he really adjusting his lineup to what the player strengths are? And I guess that's for you, Swift. Like, do you think that's what his issue is here? Is he just being stubborn, or do you think he is adjusting to the roster that he has? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. I I, I agree. He wants a certain style of play, and we've we've talked every episode about uh, you know our outside backs pinching in to overload that midfield. The problem is we're still losing the midfield. You know, in this last game, we got killed in the midfield. So clearly, doing that's not working. And clearly, you see it every game. We're we're getting hit out wide. The ball's getting switched quickly. And, you know, we're just totally disregarding people in the back post, things like that. So if it's consistently not working, you have to at some point say, maybe I do not have the personnel at the moment to pull this off and you have to do something else. You have to be a good enough coach to say, okay, with the players that I have, I don't want, I know I want to run this formation, but I just can't. That's when you go have a conversation with the front office, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run this new formation now because with this personnel, that's what I'm going to have to do. But I really need you to go out and I really need you to get this person, this person, this person to help, help this. That's that's good communication. That's the way it should go. But it seems like every week we have the same conversations on this show. We're doing the same things and they're just not working. I, I just don't know what else to say. Um, part of that's on on the players, but I think most of it's on, on the coach. If, if week after week you're telling your players to do something and they're not performing, either you are not doing your job well. Or you need to switch up. <laughs> like I don't know what else to say. But I guess that's the that's the thing, right? I guess there, there was flashes of it working last season. There there was there was a, you know results that showed that it worked, and then it just seems like it's not working this year potentially, right? And that could be because I mean I don't know. There's tape analytics that shows it. Players aren't executing, etc. Um, but I, I guess I also go back to you know when we when we had Miguel here. It was kind of the thought process of Miguel's bringing on some of his players, his style, what he wants to do. It was kind of dictating roster decisions based off the style of play that he wants to implement, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the, I don't want to say like positive points of bringing on someone like Christian Latanzio was that this the team, the technical director, you know, the front office was going to be able to say, this is the style of play that we want to have. doesn't matter who the manager is. They're going to come in and kind of help support the decisions we have here. Even if a manager leaves, they get promoted, they get hired elsewhere. We know we built the roster with this intent and this style, and it's going to work no matter what. Yeah, you may have little differences here and there, but like right now, I'm wondering, I mean, I, I have no idea, but I'm wondering if they built the roster or he's trying to implement a style of play that the front office wants, and that it's just not working because of the player's execution. So I, I wonder if there's anything like that going on. I have no idea, to be honest, but... Um, something's something's not clicking and it, it needs to be addressed as, as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, I I think the the debate online anyway is should Latanzio go or Zorin? Remember, Zorin's the sporting director, so how this is supposed to work is Zorin and his staff are supposed to get players in. And to your point, David, no matter who the coach is, like here's the style of and system we want to run. Hello, coach, you come in and you implement this style based on the roster that we have. So something has to give. So somebody's not doing something correctly. Or two people are not doing something correctly. Uh, and but that's, I, I, what, that's what people are asking online. Should it be both of them gone? Should it be just Latanzio? Like, who's who's really at, at fault here? Yeah. And, and I guess, like, even, even if it is Latanzio's fault here in this moment, right, it, it unfortunately, it's going to reflect on Zoran because it's now year two on coach number two. And it's gonna it's gonna yeah. reflect him, right? That's yeah. the decision making. He could be the nicest guy in the world. I, I know I've met him. He's been very cordial to mm-hmm. us whenever we have talked to him. Yeah. Super knowledgeable and, and passionate for what he wants to do. But like, if if this is a year two and you messed up the coach hire again in year two, it's it's not yeah. gonna be great, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not the first team that this has happened to. I'll just I'll just sure. say that right. maybe play devil's advocate a little bit. I mean, this this happens in every league. It happens to all types of teams. Uh, expansion teams especially you know like it's hard to get it right right off the bat i will say on the flip side of that that yeah i i think what happened just my personal opinion i think that they went with miguel he was like their fourth or fifth choice they went with him the pandemic threw things off and they settled or got talked into it right miguel's quite the talker from what i understand so he got the job. He was not a good fit. He lost the locker room, as we all know, last year. You have Latanzio, who was at, at that time a, a sturdy option. All the players liked him. He's a player, quote unquote, players yeah. coach. Remember, remember earlier in the year, there was a video that surfaced of Carol and Camille praising Latanzio. Yep. Like there, I think it was yep. like a, a Polish documentary. And they were like, this guy is the smartest guy on staff. Like he is yep. technical and knows exactly what he's doing. He is the number one guy here. So I think probably, you know, Zoran talked to multiple players and they're like, you know, Latanzio's, you know, good. He was the safe and quick option. I just don't think they did a good enough job of maybe looking at some other folks. And just, again, I don't want to say... Maybe settled is not the right word again, but it seems a little bit like that. So well, whatever choice. And, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it, it's very similar. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we were, we were talking about U.S. soccer earlier and those kind of things. But, uh, you know, Jesse Marsh is a very polarizing coach. Right. And look at what happened to him and, and at Leeds. Right. He mm-hmm. helped prevent them from relegation, kind of had a, a spurt there at the end of the previous season. And then it just didn't work out. And Leeds was like, yeah, we'll, we'll kick you to the can and we'll, we'll curb and we'll do something else, right? Yeah. And it's it, I wonder if it's something where it's like maybe they felt like stability was going to help solve a lot of these issues, be mm-hmm. able to move forward with this, and now it, it, it's, it may not be working. I think that it did. What they could and should have done, think about this. Latanzio being interim manager worked. Yeah. Latanzio yeah. being long-term manager 
not so much. So they could have kept Latanzio, kept him on the staff, but went out and got a different head coach. Now, sometimes a, a head coach will come in and, you know, clean house. He, he wants his own folks in there. So um, I just – I think at the time it worked. But long long term, it's, uh, it's not, not working. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, um, one of the things that could be a potential issue, I, I guess for me was – and we, we, I think we talked about it earlier on in the the off season was that if you know Latanzio is being interviewed, first year team fire their first coach ever after their first season. Um, what could potentially happen if, from a recruiting perspective, of finding the next coach? And I don't want to say settle. I don't want to say that because like that that creates a negative connotation for Latanzio because he obviously interviewed and they selected him from that perspective, but. Um, do they not have many options? Could they not recruit somebody because of the quote unquote turmoil that they had the first season of separating the first, first coach? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Awesome, man. So uh, great, great first question. I know we kind of sidetracked there a little bit, but uh, Tom, thanks for the question here. So, um, so Swift, this next question, uh, this comes from Rob. So Rob wants to know, why have the players contributing goals and assists get subbed off in the first uh, subbed off first these last two games, especially when we need to score goals and we're not protecting a lead. So we, I guess we can kind of dissect some of the subs that Latanzio made this past game. Um, but why do you think that is like, is it just poor timing, not reading the game, not reading the moment? What do you, what do you think? I think it's not reading the, the game. I've said that multiple times now. Um, you know, last episode, that was kind of the main theme of just, you know, why did he make the subs that he did? It didn't make any sense. And then, you know, you go into this game and it's the same, same thing. Clearly, there needed to be an adjustment at halftime. We were lucky to go in with the lead at halftime, but we were not playing well. Something needed to be done. RSL was having a lot of chances. Luckily, Marks was really good this game because uh, that could have got pretty ugly. No subs at half. We get scored on. No subs. We get scored on again. No subs. And then the subs that he did make make absolutely no sense at all. Those subs that he made seem like we were maybe winning three to one. You put in Derek Jones, you you move Brant up. And honestly, I was trying to look at the formation and what we were running and who was playing where. I, I was having a hard time figuring out, you know, anything. And that's that's kind of the the point here is in and why I said what I said Sunday on Twitter is none of none of what he's doing makes any logical sense at all. I have no idea. Um anybody could have saw that a change needed to be made at halftime, especially after the first goal, like the momentum, everything, a change. You could, you could talk about energy and, and players not getting forward or, you know, not looking like they want to get forward. Oh, okay. Well then make adjustments, but make them quick. You, he didn't read the game. He lost the game. So 
it's just baffling to me. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know why he keeps doing that. Um, maybe he's seeing something and these players that they're just gassed, I guess, or they're not, you know, doing the game plan like he like he's telling them to. I, that's the only thing I can maybe think of. Because other than that, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I mean, just just to kind of give some context here, right? So I'm, I'm going to read off the the sub process for this last game, right? So you know, obviously Charlotte went up in the first half, uh, one to nothing at the 27th mark when Carol Swigerty scored, um, and then second half starts, and you have Real Salt Lake score at the 56th minute, 59th minute, 62nd minute, right? Yeah, and um, what's it called? Uh, so then you had these subs. You had Andre Shinyashiki come on for Carwin Vargas, Chris Hagart come on for Carol Swiderski, Derek Jones comes on for Ben Bender, which then forces Brant Bronico to go from that six to that number eight position. Cool. I, well, I want to pick your brain on, on, that, on those subs there. <laughs> um, but then 77th minute, you had uh, Brandon Cambridge come on uh, for Jalen Lindsay, and then uh, Vinny Mello came on for Camille Yozwiak. So... Let's break down the first subs first, and then the break down the second ones. But so obviously something happened in this in that six minute time span or seventh minute time span where Charlotte was just. I mean, you, you felt it, man. I remember watching mm-hmm. on TV, and I'm just like, they are standing around. Salt Salt Lake is starting to press a little bit more. They're they're fighting to go into space. They're getting some shots on goal. Marks, thank God again, like you said, is actually being able mm-hmm. to keep us in this game but yeah, then it's huge yeah and, and and then so all of a sudden first goal happens at the 56th minute and then two minutes later a second goal and then a third goal comes in another three minutes later and then the, the response is i'm going to say make three subs at the 66th minute um so swift what did you think about those subs in that moment they were dumb <laughs> so i mean you you are now down Three to one. Andre for Vargas makes a little makes a little sense, right? Maybe Vargas is gassed. Andre fresh legs. Okay. Chris Hagart for Swiderski makes no damn sense. Derek Jones for Ben Bender makes no sense when you are up three to one. It makes sense if you are tied one to one and you're trying to get a point. It makes sense if you're up and you're trying to see out a game. But the the other subs, I you know, I I don't want to bag on Chris Hagart because I I love I love his story. I want to root for this guy. I'm glad he's on the first team. But I'm sorry if you are subbing in Chris Hagart for Carol Swiderski when you are down three to one. I honestly don't know what the hell you're thinking. And then again, you put Derek Jones in. Now, I get that we were having trouble controlling the mid, but that was a problem in the first half. That was a problem at halftime. That was a problem in the 50th minute, in the 55th minute, in the 56th minute when they scored. Those were early problems. <laughs> That's not what you want to do when you're up 3-1 to one, or when you're down 3-1. to one. It, it, it is what you want to do when you're up 3-1. to one. So I, 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 I'm completely stunned. I was completely stunned by, by those subs. The later subs, 
that's fine. You know, Brandon Cambridge, you're trying to put some offense on. You got Melo on for Yozuiak again, maybe trying to get some fresh legs. That I can say, okay, that makes a little bit of sense. But the those first three, just get the hell out of here with that. That's so stupid. Yeah, and then you have players like uh, Nuno Santos, who is, I mean, not known for being a defensive player, but has mm-hmm. shown some chances of, you know, granted he may have missed a, a goal or two this previous game, but at least like, created some chances and created something near the midfield and didn't get a single yeah. minute this game, right? And, oh, but Chris Hagart did, you know. Superstar yeah. Chris Hagart, ladies and gentlemen. So, so I guess like for me, I guess the, my I don't want to say it's a problem with the second set of subs because, like you said, you're you're bringing on some offensive players to try to try to spark something. And you know, kudos to Cambridge who, um, if you haven't been following Crown Legacy, um, was actually the leading goal scorer for Crown Legacy through their first few games. Uh, has shown some really potential and some you know great flashes there and made his MLS debut. So kudos to him from that perspective, yeah. right? I guess for me. It, wasn't so much the subs, but obviously we had, we switched our formation at that point. And it seemed like we almost went to like this, like three back set five midfield. I, I don't even know, because I guess for me, it goes back <laughs> to this player discipline because I remember I was, I was here in Columbia watching the game um, with the Southbound and crown folks. And I remember looking over at one of their members and just going like, what the hell formation are we running right now? Right now in this exact moment, it looks like Harrison Offal's playing center back. Derek Jones is just caught up as, as like a like a midfielder. And then you had Cambridge back there at right back. And granted, there's probably a wing back, different things like that. But it just mm-hmm. the the player discipline, the formation, it's like we didn't we've never ran that before in practice, and we just threw shit at the wall because we're trying to score some goals and walk away with at least a draw, right? And I mean, you never want to plan for being down three to one after and within the you know first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, but you got to be able to find some composure and coach and get some tactics to to show some positivity there from that. And I I get your point too. Um, Carol, if, if again, if you're subbing on or subbing off your DP, again, I I don't think Carol's played a full ninety minutes outside of the very first game, has he? Like when he played at like right wing or left wing potentially, right? And yeah, you, you have your very first DP signing. It, not getting 90 minutes right now, but then he scores a goal, at least shows something. And then you're going to sub him off again. Like, I, I don't know. Something seems off there. And I know you mentioned earlier about like the celebration, like what I want to pick your brain on that Swift. So like, what'd you see yeah. from that? And like just the player's mentality, or I guess celebration when he did score earlier. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like no one was really pumped that we scored. You know, when I went back and looked at it again, you know, Swiderski scores a pretty great, great goal. He sits down, right? And he gets up and I think Vargas comes over and then like him and I I don't know if Swiderski and Capetti really, I don't know. There's something weird there too. It seems like I I, I don't know The the whole entire vibe was bizarre that night. Um, there just wasn't any energy. And I, and I will say to Latanzio's point about that, like the vibes just seemed really off this game. I don't know what's going on. Remember remember last year when we would score a goal and like Ben would go kick a corner flag and Carol would go up and punch a punch the logo on the throne and smoke would go everywhere and everything like that? 
And then yeah. we score a goal here and it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. I, no, that's great. Let's get back to it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was against the run of play, but I mean, it was a little unexpected, but you would think there would be a little more jubilation and I don't know, like Capetti and Swiderski doesn't, they, there's something, I don't want to make something that's, that's not there, but it just seems a little weird. I, I don't know. I was kind of watching both of them together and like, I, I don't know. It's just very strange. Swift. I care about you, man. Don't, don't, don't say that on this show. Cause then someone's going to take it and run with it. So don't, don't, yeah. don't speak that voodoo into existence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, no, the, the, maybe there's nothing at all. It's just, it's very strange and not just them two. It's the whole entire team. They just didn't really seem all that thrilled to have scored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I get what I, I get. I, I know it's not the most amazing thing because a lot of people chalk it up to like coach speak, but I do get what Latanji was saying. Like the energy of the players just wasn't there. I mean, granted, you just went down three to one in a matter of 10 minutes, essentially. So, I'm, of course, the energy is not going to be great. But even looking at the first half, the energy from the from the players, the team just did not seem to be jiving very well in that moment. And OK, so he he he's saying that and maybe again, that is he can't go out there and play himself. Right. But why is there no energy? Why are, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an altitude. I, I get it, but why are they not celebrating? Why did they not go out to the away fans at the end of the game? Like, can, can I ask you about that? Just cause like, sure. I don't know. I, at the beginning of the season, I, and I'm like, I don't want to say I'm going to get my soapbox here, but beginning of the season, I kind of just chalked it up as whatever, right? Like as a, as a fan, they don't owe me anything to be honest sure. with you. Like I, I don't, I don't view that as something where I, I go to the game and expect every single player to come up and thank me at the side of a, of the stadium and, you know, kiss babies and take pictures and selfies and sign jerseys. <laughs> like that's not, I don't expect that. Right. Yeah. If they did it great. Right. There was a precedent that was set last year where at the end of every game, at, at least at home, they would run to the, the supporter section, you know, and, and clap and thank them, everything like that. Even if they lost, they would at least come and acknowledge us. Right. And right. on away games, sure, they would still do it. The social media team would at least capture some fans and highlight them for coming yeah. out, thanking them, those kind of things. Yeah. And this season, though. I kind of chalked it up beginning of the year. Like they had some frustrating losses. He had a few straggler players come over and do it. I know Brant did at the beginning of the season. Jalen did it a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I think Enzo did it one one game as well at home. But it it just seems like a the players don't give a shit about it, and they're not doing it. And then I remember like Swift, you and me were in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. they they kind of did it towards us in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, kind of right, right. Um, but. Since then, it just doesn't seem like it's something I, they, they're doing. And I, I don't so, understand why. I'm glad you said that about St. Louis because I thought I was like, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But I thought it was it was kind of weird that they did. It was, it was really like half assed a little bit. Yeah. And, and look, after it, when you lose a game, the last thing you want to do is sign autographs probably and like, you know, take pictures and be all hunky dory. Like I, I get it. Like when when I played and I lost, I was pissed i didn't want to talk to anybody yeah but you have people flying all the way up to real salt lakes like stadium to watch you play 
to cheer you on for 90 minutes for good or for ill. For I and I don't know. I don't know. I I I was not there, but I asked the folks that were there and they were like, "Yeah, they didn't they didn't come over." And to me that's that's odd. Like I I don't I don't understand. I and I don't know, you know, Fuchs was a big part of getting the groups together to, you know, cuz he's used to that, especially in EPL. Like you watch EPL teams when they lose, yeah, you'll have a couple of players like storm off to the tunnel and stuff like that. I I get that. That and that's going to happen, but for the most part, you're going to have at least a couple of players come up, say hey, wave, clap, you know, whatever. But it does seem a little different this year and I agree we're not owed anything but when you're traveling and you're trying to support the team through thick and thin like i I just feel like that's something that they should should do (laughs) well also if you're not having a great season and your fans are starting to get pissed off and restless because of it maybe don't do another thing that they can chalk up to be pissed off at you even more about so that's that's my only word of advice (laughs) i I get it like you may not be in the best mood but yeah, yeah, if you're Latanzio, if you're some of the players that the fans are getting pissed at, like I get it. You don't really want to go over there and say thanks to fans that booed you or called you names or whatever. I get that. Sure. Yeah. But no, for sure. Also, don't yeah. don't give them reasons to not like you more. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I'm not <clears throat> expecting them to like, you know, smile and be all happy and everything like that. And, sure. you know, go out and party and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, like I get that. But uh, it's it's been a little... It's just odd, I guess. Yeah, it's odd. So, yeah, sorry to go on a tangent again there. So, but I'm, I'm liking yeah. this. So it's 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 you know good <laughs> conversation. So I think um, we've only gotten to what two questions. Two questions so far. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> All right. um, so thanks thanks for the question there, Rob. So um, so this next question comes from Benjamin. So Benjamin wants to know, uh, and this is about Carol. So should we be concerned about Carol's fitness? I, I, I know I mentioned mm. this a second ago, but he's getting gasping for air at the end of the first half and constantly get subbed off before a full 90 minutes as a DP player, they should be able to go at least 90 minutes for most games. And you touched on a second ago. I mean, they're playing a real salt Lake, a little bit of an elevation there. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like I can run for 90 minutes, especially in higher <laughs> elevation, but um, yeah, I mean, should the expectation be that Carol's able to go full 90 minutes? Yes. If, if he's not, then what are, what are you doing in training? Uh, is he not running enough? Is he, what is going on? I, I, I think, I personally think the reason why he didn't start in Orlando and why he's getting subbed is more of the coach not happy with Carroll in some type of aspect, either not doing the game plan, giving the ball away. Um, Cause he's done that a couple times. I, I will say that, you know, you look at new England and we look at uh, Saturday night. He 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 has a tendency to give the ball away in really bad spots. Now he Latanzio kind of called out Santos for that. So I think there's a little bit of that with Soderski, and that might be why he's being subbed. It may not have anything to do with his fitness. But if it is his fitness, then again, I go back to the coach. Like, what are you doing in training? Yeah, I don't think he had a fitness issue in Poland, though, right? Yeah, no, it's kind of funny he didn't, and uh, he looks he looks pretty good alongside of another <laughs> striker. But he, that guy is a world class player, so it's very I don't true. Know. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I mean, the expectation should be. I mean, I'm saying this as a 
34 year old man who's extremely out of shape right now that they should be able to run 90 minutes, but it, it is, <laughs> it's what, it's what they're paid to do. Right. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so awesome. Thanks for the question there, Benjamin. So this next one comes from Jesse Newsom. So, uh, talking about us open cup a little bit. So for those who aren't aware last week, uh, Charlotte FC got draw for the, uh, for the us open cup. And, uh, they were in the same group as the Charleston battery, Charlotte independence, and then uh, Torment, Tormenta, I believe is how you, <laughs> how you say it. But uh, uh, many people wanted to play Independence or potentially Charleston. And of course, the other happened is that Charlotte got uh, drew, drew with uh, Tormenta and will be playing in the Matthews Sportsplex later this month. So Swift, Jesse wants to know, what is the most probable lineup for Charlotte FC in this U.S. Open match? Do you go all out and play starters? You play some Crown Legacy folks. Like, what, what do you think from a, a lineup perspective? How about we take the subs from last game and that's who is out on the field? Okay. All right. So, Andre, Hagart, Cambridge, Mello. Why not? That's, that's what yeah. I would do. Yeah. Uh, give, him, I, give him some minutes. I think, especially this, that first game, I think you, you, would, you could get away with that. Uh, hopefully we're, we can rest some folks, uh, especially in this this first game. But but why not? I, I mean, I, I think someone like Hagar and I, I, I feel bad bashing on him, like I said. But like just if we're going to make playoffs and we're trying to elevate our team, I just don't see him as that. But like an Open Cup game, yes. Legacy, yes. Um, I'd like to see Cambridge. I'd like to see Adam Armour. I'd like to see Diop. Um, so hopefully we can see some of those legacy guys step up and, and play in this thing. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I would look for. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm, I'm just happy that the game's not going to be in Statesboro, Georgia. It's going to be in, in Matthews and Charlotte. <laughs> so um, so I'm looking forward to that that match here later this month. So uh, Eric Hill wants to uh, talk about Fuchs a little bit here, Swift. So mm-hmm. um, Eric wants to know, so do you think we would be looking at different results on the field? If we still had a player like Fuchs's leadership and deep passing ability uh, while playing, um, and and also to see him connect from the left back corner to Vargas or a Capetti run would have been pretty nice to see at this point in time, right? So he was known for those kind of passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think like player like Fuchs is being missed on the field from a leadership perspective? No, I'll tell you why. Because we do that stupid pinching in thing. And it leaves our flanks open. And remember, Fuchs is not not the fastest. He's he's getting you know now he's definitely old. But I I just think <laughs> leadership. Yes, we missed that. We just talked about him making sure the players are coming over to fans. So in that regard, yes, playing balls out of the back. I mean, hey, awful and Lindsay both had assists in one game, right? So I don't think it's that that we're really missing I, I think it's the other components that were that were lacking you know if Fuchs was playing center back maybe because we're having issues there I just want to say for the yeah. for the record here Swift that you just said Fuchs is definitely getting old and yeah. I had to look him up here real quick he's yeah. 37 years old and is only yeah. a year older than our starting left back and captain currently Harrison Awful well um, that I mean, not to be a jerk, but I mean, Harrison Awful is a, a player scout. He's not supposed to be playing every single game. He shouldn't be playing every single game. Yep. You know, that's yep. not really, I mean, that's just Father Tom. I mean, that's, 
that happens to every player, right? Um, I think that's that's very telling that we have these players that are at that age and they're having to start every game and being demanded of. Like, I, 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 that's a that's a problem for me. So two things. I think one, I just wanted to take offense because you called them old, and I'm like only you two are years old. Younger, only two years younger than than one of we're, them. We're uh, old, David. It's okay. <laughs> The the other part that's interesting. So I know you just mentioned Harrison Awful, right? Of being someone that's having to play a lot more than what was expected. Mm-hmm. There's really strict rules. I think we talked about this earlier before the season that there's extremely strict rules where the team has to show that Harrison Awful is being being taught how to be a coach or a scout and learn the FO like the front office rules is being developed within that role and report that back to MLS. Mm-hmm. Or they can get into like a like pretty big ramifications and get some cap hits and his contract could change, et cetera. So it, I I feel bad for Harrison to be able to say, okay, hey, you're gonna be this player coach role before the season, sign this contract, and you know the contract's not nearly as much as probably what he was being paid as a player potentially, right. and yet here we are now going in the week or game eight, and he's having to start and play ninety minutes almost every week, and I mean I'm happy for him because that. It, we, at least it's shown some consistency at left back that we needed, but um, I don't know if that was the right thing to do from a, from a player's perspective, if you're going to be relying on them that much at this point. Yeah, you you have Mora, who is not playing at all. You have Diop that can play that position. You have Adam Armour now that's getting back into game shape and looking pretty good for Legacy. So, I mean, you have Burn that you can move over or you move Lindsay over. So there's, there are options. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that they're the best, but you do have them. Yeah, but and, and, it just, it, I think it just highlights some inadequacies of this, this, this roster. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I say that not like criticizing awful because he's actually been pretty consistent for us over the past little bit of time. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with him at least from a, from a player perspective. So, uh, so this next question comes from Russell Varner. So good old Rusty. Uh, so Rusty wants to know why is Christian Latanzio reverting back to an MAR era possession style tactic that never worked for us in the first place? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. We've talked about how possession doesn't really do anything for you. Um, I I think the difference is remember when we had Daniel Rios up top and you could play the ball up to him and he could hold the ball off and lay it off to Swiderski and even vice mm-hmm. versa. We don't have that now. Uh Capetti's not that type of player. And I'm starting to really worry about Capetti, I'm really starting to worry about the partnership between Capetti and Swiderski, not only like, not even like a personal level, just a, a chemistry and style of play. So I think we were able to get away from that, you know, just knocking the ball around and, and, and playing the ball over the top some, because we had Dana Rios who could, who you could do that with. Um, Swiderski can do it, but not really in the position that he's in. And we're definitely not doing that now. So I think it's just the personnel that we, that we have. And, and, and again, we, we talked about that. Is it, 
is it the system that he's trying to implement or is it the players something something's not matching up right well and that's what i mean when it worked last year like I mean, that's a really good point rios would hold the ball up and be able to create mm-hmm. and you know hold space right enzo does not strike me as that type of player he wants to get the ball and make runs and just go and just go 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 rios would go hold up play and wait for reinforcements or players to run into space and make movements and then play off that and create more space. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I wonder if it's just a personnel issue there a little bit. So, yep. so I'm looking at this now. Rusty actually has a few more follow-up questions here for you. Swift. Russell so always have, has like three questions, but they're always good, good. So I want to, yeah. Yeah. They're always good, right? So, um, so how much how much would Carujo's return actually help the defense at this point in time? You think a healthy Carujo that's that's a hundred percent would be huge. One, the crowd would love it. Two, I think him and Melanda would work well together. I think Bill Tuiluma has really struggled. I had high hopes for him. He's just. That again, just I don't know if it's luck or just what is going on, but he's just not doing well. So I can't wait for Guzman to come back. I just hope that he, once he's back, he can slide into the starting 11 pretty quickly, but he's got to be healthy. He's got to be ready. And it's going to take a little bit for him and Milan to kind of get back in in the swing of things, but I think it could help um, just to have his presence back there too. Yeah, it, it would be and it'll be interesting to see the impact that he has because when it was him and Melanda back there together, it seemed like it was clicking very, very well. And currently between Bill and Melanda, the communication and just the, the vibe doesn't seem like it's just working as well. Um, yeah. But the thing that worries me a little bit is like Carujo is not like the smallest guy. And usually with bigger guys with leg injuries, especially ones that were non-contact injuries like the ones that he had. It, it always just makes me pause a little bit like ACL, MCL, whatever it is, always makes me pause a little bit just from a from a, a speed, a bounce, agility perspective. I know that's always a, a concern. Um, sounds like his his rehab's going well, but mm-hmm. always, yeah. always makes me pause a little bit if he's going to be the same guy when he comes back. Yeah. And we, I think we've said before April, May-ish is when he should be back. So it's about, about that time. Yep. Yep. So Rusty's final question here. He wants to know, uh, do you see any scenario where Christian Latanzio does not play one of Bronico or Jones short of being uh, short of both being injured or suspended? I can't remember if someone else asked this question about Bronico and why he always starts and always plays 90 minutes. The only thing that I can think of is why he continues to start and and Miguel started him as well. Is I'm I'm sure Bronico practices well. He gives everything he has, and I know people are kind of tired of hearing that um, because when it comes to the game, he's he has trouble getting forward. Sometimes he's going to play it safe, but I I think that's the reason why is because he. He's going to be able to go for 90 minutes and he's going to run for 90 minutes and he will be safe with the ball. Uh, I'm not saying that that's, that's, you know, what is needed, but I'm just, I'm I'm trying to think why he's never dropped. Um, And that was the thing with Miguel too. Miguel started him. 
Um, Miguel liked him as well, too. So it's not just Latanzio. Um, you know, he dropped Jones to the bench this game, but he did bring him in. I just, you know, we, we talk about upgrades and I just think, uh, that's also a position that we need to think about going forward. Uh, and we are missing Westwood too, uh, in that mix, but, um, yeah, I just think that Brant's hustle and attitude and, willingness to do whatever is what helps him awesome always always appreciative of the questions russell um, and make sure you guys check him out on socials uh, he has a great dog up for um adoption and dodger so make sure you check him out so um this next question comes from your good old friend um jaime slash jamie wants to know uh <laughs> is this roster actually a playoff team or are we fooling ourselves, Swift? Very point, very just direct question here. So, I think this team is a playoff team. I think the coach needs to get his act together and play a formation to get the best out of these players. And just play simple. Make simple substitutions. You don't have to do three at a time. But read the game. And then make adjustments there. I, I think I think there's enough talent on this squad to make the playoffs. We need upgrades in multiple spots. So I'm just if we're talking about just playoffs, yes. If we're talking about top four, I don't know about that. Yeah, I um I definitely think on paper we're a playoff team. And I mean, just to be point blank, MLS, it's really easy to make the playoffs. You just have to be the ninth seed out of 15 teams. So, like, what is that? Like 65% of or 65 or 70% of the East makes the playoffs this year. Like, that's like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, on paper, they're definitely a playoff team. I just, uh, mm-hmm. right now, they're starting to dig themselves into a hole, especially their goal differential when you're looking at their, their points. Like, it's just, it, it's I not mean- great company to be like, you know, associated with DC United and Montreal right now. So, I mean, we, we are still three points out of a playoff spot. Well, it's very, very true. I mean, like I I remember even looking over at Chris during the game on the first half and I pulled up the MLS table and I'm like, this is like the live view. Like if the, if the result would hold where we'd be like, Hey man, we we would be like number eight on the table right now. We'd be in the playoffs if this game would end right now. And it's like mine, like crazy how the, the mind shift like changes in 45 minutes of going, yeah, we're, we're going to be in a playoff team now to being like, holy shit, everything's on fire. Just just burn it all down. Well, we got lucky Saturday because a lot of the teams that are right yeah. above us and right, you know, and Montreal all lost. So we got, oh, a Chicago one. But I mean, you know, we're well, Chicago points. bumped up to six seed. Yeah. That's just how crazy the East is. And we're only four points behind them. So as horrible as we've been, if we can write the ship pretty quickly, that's that's why I want what I put out Saturday is like I want to make a change now before this gets even more out of hand because we we're we're still close. So either something needs to happen with Latanzio or just sit him down and say, dude, you gotta you gotta sub better. <laughs> like what what are what are you trying to do on Saturdays? Like tell me what you need. <laughs> like this is something's gotta give. Just, they're just going to sit them down and be like, just stop it. 
just tell me how I can help you. Help me help you. (laughs) God. (laughs) So thanks for the question. Jaime slash Jamie. I really appreciate it. So, (laughs) um, so this next question comes from David Kelly. So David wants to know, uh, why would a quality coach want to make the move to Charlotte? So let's say for example, things don't get fixed. Things just get worse. Charlotte has to relieve their manager. It would be their third manager heading into their third season. Um, What's something that would make Charlotte a prime spot for a coach um, and kind of make them want to come here? One, it could be a, a challenge. It could be someone that Zoran knows in his, you know, soccer sphere. Uh, I think taking over a team that's struggling is a lot easier than taking a team that always makes the playoffs, Right. Because, you know, you can really only go up from here. So I, I think coming to Charlotte would be actually pretty appealing. Like, I, I get the question, like, since there's been turnover, why would someone want to come here and, you know, maybe only have a job for a year? But that happens in every league. I mean, Jesus, look at the EPL. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, every, it's every six months or not even that sometimes. So um, I think, you know, a young coach, a coach in a – I hate to say smaller league, but you know, maybe a smaller league wants to wants to get a chance, or uh, you know, a lot of people want to move to America, so it's a, it's a cool opportunity again to take over a team and and build it up and make it what they want. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's some positives there. I mean, you didn't mention the barbecue, you didn't mention you know the mountains, <laughs> you know those kind of things. So, I mean, you know, you're never going to compete with like LA money. Or, you know, no. Florida state taxes that like Messi could potentially get. But mm. we have barbecue, we have cheer wine, things like that. That should be on the table every single, every single. Do you like cheer effort, wine? So. Do you like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really a soda person. I don't really drink soda, but if I had to, yeah, I, I like, I like cheer wine. It's good. That's good to hear. Cause I, I know you hate Bojangles, <laughs> which is, you know, dumb. it's because I like good things, Matt. That's, just that's the to... reason why. So. <laughs> If they're a future sponsor of the show, I love mm-hmm. them. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> but no, on that, on, 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 on that note. So um, anyways, but yeah. Uh, so David, thanks for the question. I, I do think we need to bribe him with cheer wine. So, um, so Terry wants to know, uh, do we, do we really have DP caliber players? So if you look at the players Ooh. we have on our roster as uh, DPs, you have Enzo Capetti, Carol Swarderski, Camille Yozwiak. Do we have those when you compare us to other MLS teams? According to Facebook, no. <laughs> According to Facebook, everything just what, needs man. to be burned down. So I, I'm going to have to like, I'm an admin of one of the Facebook groups. And I'm, I'm really thinking you about poor, poor getting stuff. completely off of Facebook. It's really hard, really, really hard every day to like look at it. Um, but to answer the question, yeah, I, I think I think Swiderski's good. I just think he's having a hard time on this team fitting into the system. Where's he best suited? He doesn't have, you know, I think he worked best with Rios. He doesn't have that anymore. He now has Enzo. He's also been playing, played out on the right. He's all, he was on international duty. But you see what he can do. He can make something out of nothing. Um, and he, he did that last year. I just think he doesn't get the service that he needs. I think he just doesn't have the, the personnel around him. Um, 
Enzo is to be determined. I am not super pumped right now, to be honest. I, I, I just careful, Matt. You're starting to sound like Facebook here for a second. Careful, Mister. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I'm apprehensive. I hope that it works out, and it may take him a little bit. Um, and then Uzwiak again. The you know, if you go on Facebook, he's the worst player ever. Uh, it did take him a while to score. I've been kind of back and forth on him myself. Um, do we have the best DPs? Nope. But um, I would say Swiderski for sure. Yeah, I think we have capable DPs. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. we're top of the league, but no, capable enough and, to be consistent. Yeah. And Yozwek's hit a good stretch of form here. Um, yep. I, I it. You know, it was funny, especially in that first half, I was watching him. I was like, he he looks like he has some confidence now. Mm-hmm. You can tell when a, when a player has confidence and he hasn't looked like that. But, the, you know, even in this, uh, well, we'll say the first half, he looked like someone that has, has a little more confidence now that, you know, he finally scored and he's he's playing well. So appreciate the question, Terry. Um, for those who aren't aware, Terry helps out with uh, App FC and is a good friend of the show in Mint City. So we really always appreciate him listening and all the support he does for the Squatch Guard. So uh, make sure you check him out if you ever go up to Boone this coming up season. Um, so this next question comes from our good friend Jake Carpenter. So Jake says, last year we finished on a 0.65 points per away match. So far we were at one point per. It's a disappointing result versus a bad Real Salt Lake team, but is the sky really falling? Lots of home matches to come soon. So Swift, is is Jake being the voice of reason here, and is he helping kind of like calm us down a little bit? A little bit. I I, I think if we if we win that New England game, this might be a different conversation. I I I, I think the Atlanta game is really the only one we just got played off the field. The other matches, you know, I think there was some bad luck and stuff there. The the only the only thing is, is that we haven't played well at home, uh, where we did last year. Um, it's very nice that we you know went down to Orlando and got a result. Um, same thing with you know, like I I feel like we're playing a lot better on the road. So yes, this is this is a lot better. But the fact that we're not playing well at home and it's not the fortress that it was last year is concerning. Um, but when you when you're playing Real Salt Lake and they are very bad, and they've only scored three goals the whole year, and you give up three in one half, that's alarming. Uh, not even one half swift, six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know now, now we do come home, so I think these next games are going to be very telling. April needs to be a good, productive month for for us. We talked about that last episode. If we win these next two games, maybe you know, maybe it's not as bad as as we thought. Uh, but these are going to be two crucial crucial games. I think these have to be must wins. I hate to say that so early in the season, and I hate saying that, but like. You gotta get these points here, and it can't be a draw. It's it's gotta be a win, especially against uh, Colorado coming up. Um, 
So we'll see. Yeah, it, it, it is nice, though, that we're doing a little better on the road, though. Well, except for Saturday. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so thanks, Jake, for the question and the level-headedness here. We appreciate it. So this next question comes from our very own Jeff. So Jeff has two questions here. So for the first one, he wants to know, so how much of the blame lies on Zoran getting a ton of international talent where we get strapped for GAM due to having to get four spots each season? We could have had MLS proven uh, veterans or domestic players fill in some of these spots. So, example mm-hmm. like center backs, goalkeeper, etc. Yeah. So this is a really good question, and it's there was a lot of debate about this when we were first building the roster. MLS is so different than any other league that I I think people that are new to the league come in and they want very much to to do their own thing. Bring in all this outside international talent. And that's great. But you do have to, I think, have to have some good MLS veterans to help with these international folks that are coming in. Uh, I look at Nashville right now. I look at Atlanta in year two. You just have to have a good mix. I don't think we have a good mix. So I think Zorn is a little bit to blame. He made the comment about Uzwiak and, you know, Salt Lake and, Things like that. Um, Mark Nichols left. You know, (laughs) went to uh, Columbus. So I think there's a little bit to that. I I, I think it's a a learning curve, and I'm hoping that we can correct some of that going forward. You know know what's interesting, though, is that St. Louis City kind of went very similar to us in their first season. Spent a lot of money on international spots, put a lot of players on international, spent an international on a keeper, all this stuff like that, right? And granted, it's very early in the season, and they've they're on a losing streak now with two two losses in a row, mm-hmm. but they're sitting at number two in the Western Conference with 15 points. I can't remember how long I don't even know how long it took us to get to 15 points last year. Hell, we're not yeah. even a third of the, we're a third of the way there now, but mm-hmm. they built a roster very similar to us in terms of international, but it worked right away. And I don't know if that was just because they brought them on so early, played them in MLS mm-hmm. or next pro got acclimated, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's worked somewhat for them compared to us in that first season. So, but I, I do think part of that is, I mean, it, it has to, that's, that's the wrong job. Everything reflects him technically. You know what I mean? I, I think St. Louis is finally, their luck has run out. Thank I think you, they've been God. found out. I mean, you think about, <clears throat> I don't want to talk about St. Louis too much. Their first game, back pass, they get a gifted goal. We gift them a goal. Uh, we gift them, sorry, two two goals. So uh, there's six points there. I I, I don't know. I, I, I think kudos for St. Louis getting off to a great start. To your point, David. The difference is their team, when they were building theirs, was they were able to play. We went through a pandemic. 
Now, you can say that that's an excuse, but we all know that we've missed out on players. We missed out on a U.S. men's national team player because of it. We missed out on coaches. So I don't want to necessarily compare us to them. But uh, back to the back to the question, I would like to I, I looking back at some of the draft choices and everything too. I'm a little. I'm. I'm getting even more upset by some of those moves now. First year or second year? Well, I look at. I don't want to call out certain names, but um, there's certain yeah, I got you. that we. Yeah. There were certain people that we drafted that I think the coach at the time wanted. We relented and said yes, and we shouldn't have. We should have chose someone else, and I don't know. I yep. think it, it's it's come back to to bite us. If you if you look at especially the expansion draft, look look who we drafted, look where they are now, and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of those people we actually moved on and actually done pretty good. So, um, so yeah. Yep. Hindsight's twenty twenty on that. Yeah. Bad choices tend to linger though. So you gotta you gotta we gotta stop making bad choices. Absolutely. So. Jeff's second question here is how different would our record and result be if we had Kalina, Kuruho, Westwood fully healthy in every one of our matches so far this season? <sighs> Kalina in the first half of the year was amazing. I think Kuruho going down really has hurt. Just chemistry-wise, that presence in the back, that leadership, having that height. Um, again, Bill has struggled. You know, heading the ball into their own net, gifting stuff, giving the ball away. I, I think, yeah, I think having especially Kalina, a, a healthy Kalina and healthy Carujo would have made a ton of difference. Westwood, you know, I haven't seen enough of him yet to really say, oh, man, he's a difference maker, right? I think he has that potential, but I just really he's been hurt. So haven't really been able to, to see a lot of him. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Injuries are part of the game, though. So you got to be able yep. to, you know, play with your the roster you built. So. Um, but hopefully we get them back here soon and we go on a, a nice long summer run where we we're feeling really good. So yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks Jeff for the questions here. Uh, so this next one comes from Joe. So Joe says Carol and Capetti never seem to be on the same page. Do you think that is a lack of playing time together or two designated players not being able to work together on the same field? I'm hoping it's just, they haven't had enough time. My fear is the other thing that we talked about. Yeah, I know. Um, which, I mean, hey, that happens on a lot of teams, right? Um, and that can be worked out. And that comes down to the players working that out. It comes down to the coach. Uh, you know, someone like Fuchs can see that and address that. Uh, he'd be someone that I'd love to see him take both of them by the arms and like, look, assholes. Like, you get you guys have to work together. You've got to get along. Y'all need to stay after practice and and work on some stuff together, like you know, building that that chemistry and bond. Um, I'm hoping that's what it is. I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping that it's just, they just need more time together. That it's not something, you know, deeper. 
You know what solves that, Swift? It's goals and wins. If you start scoring some goals and winning some games, whatever animosity or jealousy, yep. whatever it is, hopefully it's none of that. But if there is any of that stuff, yeah, that goes away because you, you start winning games. Yeah. So simple as that, guys. I, I, I fix your FC. Just score some goals and win some games. So <laughs> that's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> simple as that, guys. And stop the other team from scoring. Just, just do it. So um, yeah. So thanks for the question, Joe. We've got one last final question here from Alex. So Alex says, my big concern is we're so busy trying to attack on the wings that we're leaving the center of the pitch vacant and our defense vulnerable when we press. Hmm. There has to be another answer beside our, uh, beside or in front of Bronico. What do you guys think is the solution? Yeah, no, this is Alex. This is a good question. Um, I agree. We, I, I have been calling for stop playing the balls on the wing so much, and we need something through the middle, play through the channels more, make more direct passes through the channel, or bypass or bypass the midfield. I, I think we have a real problem of owning the middle of the field and being creative from the middle. The wings. The, the problem has been uh, crossing accuracy, right? But I want to see us be more dangerous in the middle. I'd like to see our wingers cut into the middle more. And so our outside backs can overlap and, and things like that. But uh, I think Saturday was a perfect example of the game plan not working, the pinching in not working, the personnel not working in the middle, and we just got just got killed. And it was more evident in the second half, especially – when those when no changes were made so yeah i that's been a huge problem for me the whole entire season um i get tired of seeing us rotate the ball around vargas and uswiak tracking back to get the ball deep uh then it get played in the middle to brant and brant not opening up he's just passing sideways backwards same with jones um, you look at really good teams, their number six is they are a defensive mid, but they should be able to help jumpstart the offense too or get the ball to your playmaker. It can't be get the ball, back pass, get the ball, back pass, move into a position to get the ball, but you're not in a dangerous position. You're just basically getting, quote unquote, open to receive the ball, but you're not doing jack shit with it. So it's a lot of running. It's a lot of running. And and to me, you know, Brant does that well. He gets open, but sometimes it's not in dangerous spots. And I look at, you know, talk about Chris Hagar. Hagar, again, is one of those players that's going to run the whole game. He's going to get the ball, and he's going to pass it, and he's going to get into space. But it does nothing. It does nothing for you. So. It's almost as if Latanzio realizes that, and that's the, that's the reason why we're, we have the scheme that we're doing. Like, Pinching our left and right backs in, overloading the midfield a little bit, trying to cause something to happen there. And then it just doesn't happen. And we try to force mm -hmm. it out in the wings. We just kick it up. We just hope and pray a player makes a run and just makes a cross somehow. We score. I, I don't know the last time we've created something from the midfield and driven up the field through the center of the spine versus using the wings. It's, yeah. it's disappointing to see. 
Yeah, yeah, and your players have to get in good spots too. We look at the Swiderski goal, and it's pretty simple. Ben it floats out, kind of uh, not completely wide, but he floats out, and then instead of crossing it in to no one and whatever, he he picks his head up and picks out Swiderski, right, who's at the top of the box, and that's where Swiderski's supposed to be. A simple pass to him, and then Swiderski does his thing from there. But we just we just need to play simple, simple soccer. That's it. We're just we're making things too complicated, and, and our coach is overthinking everything. Just kiss, man. Keep it simple, stupid. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> I'm gonna write simple that on that. the white. I'm gonna sneak into the locker room and wipe write that on the whiteboard. <laughs> Isn't that what Michael Scott did? Something like that, right? So, um, but yeah. So, oh uh, yeah, the, that's <laughs> Dwight. The, and then he did that to Dwight. Dwight's like that hurts my feelings every time. Yeah, but yeah. he's right. <laughs> but he's right. Yeah. So, you know, there we go. We've 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 solved all of our problems here. Swift, you break into the, the locker room, right? Kiss on the uh, the whiteboard and then, you know, make a quote of it. And Wayne Gretzky, you, Michael Scott, et cetera. And then it's as simple as we got to score more goals than the other team and stop them from scoring goals on us. So um, yeah. simple as that. But uh, awesome. man. well, everyone, thanks so much for the questions. It's always fun to kind of talk through these things and um get swiss perspective on this hopefully you guys enjoy my perspective but um, it's always fun to do this stuff so any closing thoughts for you swift or anything else before we we head into the weekend against colorado yeah let's talk about some something fun real quick so ooh, we found out today that charlotte will be hosting part of the gold cup tournament so that's really exciting that'd be group play we will officially know who we will be hosting uh, Friday, April the 14th. I so have, this Friday. I have heard. I have heard that it's actually the United States. It better be, man. God, I'll be so excited for that. It'll be awesome. I think people will keep thinking it's going to be Mexico. It's going to be either U.S. or Mexico. But I, I'm hearing that it's going to be the USA. That'd be great. I, I went to the the women's national team game, I think, right before COVID, like the I Believe Tour. And mm-hmm. that was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, it'll be great to even see the Gold Cup here, too. Uh, so yeah. it'd be pretty cool to be able to say I've seen the women's and the men's team, uh, both in Bank of America Stadium, if that would come to life. Yeah, I got to see us play in the Gold Cup in Cleveland. Yeah, but you're in Cleveland at that point, man. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Though. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my wife. Go ahead. I'm gonna go it's fine. My, my, my sister is moving up to Ohio here pretty soon. So she'll be a Ohioan just like your wife. So I'll, I'll uh, tell her that you hate Cleveland. So prepare to get a text here in a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. Something about, <laughs> you know, dog, dog pound, something. I don't know. Who, who knows? Who cares? Who, who doesn't like, who likes the Browns? So, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll end the show on that note. So I get all the hate mail from all the Cleveland people, but it's fine. <laughs> well hopefully awesome. next episode we have something to, to cheer about um, god i hope so man hopefully we're hopefully the next episode we're talking about how amazing we are and we just bumped it up <laughs> to the eighth seed and making the playoffs and you know all of a sudden our dps are our dps again so that'd be great yeah uh, a couple of back-to-back wins will go a long way and soothing over this uh mm-hmm. this atmosphere i i was definitely 
heated Saturday and tried to stay off social media. And I said what I said on Sunday and got it out of my system. So I'm, I'm hoping that this weekend we can right some wrongs and, and get this get this ship in the right direction. I hope so, man. I hope so. So I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, though. That's right. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, everyone. We appreciate it. And uh, on that note, we'll, we'll see everyone at Saturday on Bank of America Stadium. See you guys.